Welcome, Wildcat fans, to the Delhi Wildcat Baseball and Softball Podcast. My name is Ari Koslow, Assistant Sports Editor at the Delhi Wildcat, and your host for this podcast. I'm joined by I'm joined by Sean Fagan. How are you doing today, Sean? Uh, pretty good. Uh, got some mixed feelings about uh, what happened with both teams, but other than that, you know, doing as well as one can be. Rough. On more of the bad note with the softball team who lost their first two games of the women's softball college World series to be eliminated for the season and what ended up being the final season of Coach Kondrea, as was announced the next day. Um, in the first game, they had no answer for Montana Fouts. We mentioned her on the podcast last week about her dominance, and her dominance was certainly displayed against Arizona and even into the next game where she threw a perfect game against UCLA. Um, and then they had the heartbreaker against Florida State, where it was the three-run home run in the sixth inning, and then the walk-off sacrifice fly in the seventh inning that uh, knocked out the Wildcats out of the College World Series for the Sean, what were your takeaways from what you saw from the team this past weekend? Okay, so let's just start with that uh, Alabama game. I mean, you know, I had said it a while ago and I had talked about it. You know, Montana Fouts arguably is the best pitcher in the country, without a doubt, in the SEC. This was the toughest opponent that Arizona had faced all year. And, you know, they just – I don't know. I, I just don't think they were ready for, like, that high of quality pitching. I mean, you look – you go down the lineup, there was – there was, yeah, there were two hits. And yeah, Jesse Harper had a home run, the tighter all time for the Arizona lead. I think it was like 92. But other than that, the entire offense just melted. And I really think that's the most appropriate word is because they full on melted. Nobody could get anything going, you know, whether they were striking out or whether they were just, you know, getting grounding out. There, there was nothing. I mean, 16 strikeouts. <laughs> I don't care what pitcher you're facing. You are not going to win a game with 16 strikeouts. And honestly, I, I didn't think they were going to beat Alabama. I just thought Montana Fouts was on a roll. And, you know, with that quality of pitching, even with the high quality offense, you always win with defense. So, yeah, really not a surprise there. But honestly, that Florida State game, that was the surprise. To me, they had the momentum the whole game. And I think you could unpack this entire game and break it down as to what happened. So let's just start off with, first off, why on earth did they take Alyssa Denham out of the game? I mean, Denham was throwing some, was throwing two hit, no innings ball after just three innings. She had, there were no runs, only allowed two hits. There was, she didn't have a lot of strikeouts, but she's not a strikeout pitcher, but she was doing really well. And then she gets into a bases loaded jam with the team up two nothing. And instead of let her finish, they throw Mariah Lopez in, who, let's face it, she did not look comfortable at all throughout her entire relief outing in that game. Yeah, she got out of the bases loaded jam, but she kept on allowing base runners. And then she started plunking them, which that was unusual because it's like, okay, why is she hitting batters? That's not usually her. And then you could just tell something was going to happen in that sixth inning when she let two runners on. It didn't look good. And then when she allowed the two, that three, the two runners on a, was a walk and hit by pitch. It wasn't even a hit that either of them got on. Exactly. And I, you just had a feeling that something bad was going to happen. And when that three home run run was long, you're just like, oh, great. There, it's 3-2. We'll see what can happen. But to their Arizona's credit, they came back in the top of the inning. They tied the game. Then again, I mean, we'll, we'll break it down later for everything happening. They had two runners on. They had runners in scoring position, 
And Charlize Palacios, who was arguably the hottest hitter in the entire tournament, finally reached her peak and just completely cooled off. I mean, she was non-existent, not only in this game, but in the Alabama game as well. So those runners got left. And then again, they sent Lopez back out for the seventh inning after the terrible outing that she had in the sixth. That made no sense whatsoever. I mean, you had Hannah Bowen. Uh, yeah, she pitched in the Alabama game, but whatever. It had been a couple days. And you even could have thrown Devin Nets in there. But no, for whatever reason, they kept Mariah Lopez in. And I honestly knew as soon as she took the circle, I thought, oh, it's over. They're, they they got to figure it out. She doesn't look confident. They're going to walk it off. And they did. But it was also no thanks to Raina Caranco, who had that terrible error that put the runner on third base. What would have been an inning-ending double play to send it into extras. You know, I, I'm sure she owns it. That's on her. That was a horrible play. It had zero chance of being fielded by Jesse Harper. So rather than yeah, hold on she, to it. I thought she was just going to go to first base because it was hit so slowly. It was, it was a tough play because it was hit so slowly. So I thought she was going to go to the first base. I think it seemed like just Jesse Harper wasn't like ready for her at second no. base is what I saw from it. So Well, I mean, Cron it was just like Cronko panicked. She thought, okay, I, we need to get this out of second because that means if they get a single, they walk it off. But, you know, who knows what's going on in her mind. So that happened. They walk it off. Terrible. But yeah, so probably the, the yeah, it just it was just upsetting. It really was the lead, you know, the whole game or at least being tied or having to lead the whole game up until two outs, two strikes too, um, before they hit that three and home run. And uh, like you said, get to get to their credit, they tied it and they had a chance to take the lead in that same uh, top of the seventh inning and couldn't yeah. take advantage of that. And then. They had a this. lot of chances, though. I mean, okay, all right, let's just break it down. Let's just talk about this game because this is the one that matters. So I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, two separate innings they had where they had the bases loaded and they did nothing. And another mm -hmm. portion of the team that honestly really did nothing were the seniors. I mean, the stars, the the firepower of what we have, they were non-existent. Yeah, Raina Caronco knocked in the tying run in the top of the seventh, but that's all she did for the whole game. Jesse Harper had one hit, wasn't even an extra base hit. Deja didn't get a hit, not only in this game. I don't even think she got a hit in the College World Series. She didn't hit against Alabama, and she got no hits in this game. And then Alyssa Palomino-Cardoza, who, let's face it, until that home run against Arkansas, had not had the best playoff run throughout the entire um, NCAA tournament. So she was non-existent. And then... You know, we had, uh, you know, Malia Martinez, she she did have the home run for the RBI, but then two strikeouts after that. And then Mariah Lopez, senior, you know, tanked in the sixth and the seventh inning. So that was hard to watch. So it there, there was just a lot. I mean, the offense went, the offense was cold throughout the whole World Series. Pitching was good until it wasn't. And I, I don't know. It just, I mean, it just wasn't meant to be, I guess. I don't know. Yep, for sure. And as was announced, which was expected, but it wasn't officially announced until the other day in the retiring of Coach Candrea. And I know, Sean, that you covered the press conference from in the morning. So kind of what were your takeaways from that? So I remember I'll start with after they lost to uh, Florida State. You know, I remember a reporter had asked and said, oh, you know, are you retiring? And, you know, Kendra said that when it's his timing, when it feels right for him, he would do it. But you could just tell throughout the language of the final presser and how emotional all the seniors were. They already knew. And you could tell that he was basically saying goodbye, 
that, you know, because he was using language like, you know, I wanted to make sure this program was left in good hands. And I wanted to make sure that I did right for, you know, all these kids. And it's like, oh, it kind of sounds like he's already letting us know. And then today was uh, his final press conference, you know, as formally as uh, well, he's actually not the head coach anymore. They already named a replacement. So you could say he's a former coach now. And, you know, he had spoke about how he did tell the seniors that this was going to be his final season and that he had actually said last year was going to be his final season. But because of COVID, he felt that he should come back and give it one last shot since people's seasons were sort of robbed. And all seven of those seniors had said they were coming back. It was tough to watch because, I mean, you know, before I came here to the school, I'm going to be honest, I didn't have any idea who he was. But then when you look it up and you see who this guy is, it's like, man, this, this, the goat at the U of A, I mean, the great, it's not even an argument. He is the greatest college softball coach to ever be a part of the game between 24 world series appearance, eight titles and over a thousand wins, the most in history, just everything that he has. And it's really, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to probably differ on this from me, but I think this is going to have a very significant impact on this team. Cause let's face it, when you're a player and you're recruited by a coach, you want to play for that coach. So that's the thing that I'm watching out for this summer. Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. Because Kendrea also talked about in this final conference how much he hates the transfer portal and he feels it's more like free agency, which I agree. I mean, it's so easy to just leave a school and go somewhere else. We don't know who's going to be around next year. I mean, the seniors, we know that they're all gone. But who knows? Are, do some of these players think that, oh, well, now that he's not here, why should I be here? I committed at 15 to play for him. So should I really stay? Or now that I've proven myself in this World Series, can I go to an, a program that's already a contender? So I think that's the biggest thing. But, you know, tip my hat to Coach Candrea, legendary career. There'll never be another one like him. Yep, no doubt about it. And as you mentioned, they had already announced the next head coach and being Caitlin Lowe, who um, has been the assistant or the associate, I believe it was her title associate head coach for the last nine years. So at least all the players are familiar with her and know her. She's a former player uh, helping them win back-to-back -back titles in 06 and 07. And she's uh, with the USA team too, uh, where she won a silver medal under Candrea. So I will say that, you know, even though it is a new coach, at least it is somebody in-house that everybody's familiar with and knows. So I think that's a positive sign that everybody can potentially stay. But as you said, we will, it's worth monitoring at the very least, um, you know, during the off season. And um, yeah, so do you have any closing thoughts on the softball season or team or just in general? You know, I mean, I remember from the beginning, the only reason I'm saying this is because they labeled it themselves. The very first, I covered the very first press conference of the year with the softball team. And I straight up asked them, I said, is it a championship or bust mentality this year? You seven seniors come back, you know, Olympians, you know, highly recognized players. Is, is that the mentality this year? And they said, yes, they said that it, we're all in. That's why we came back. We felt we could win. And they did not So, you know, maybe people will hate me for this, but I, it wasn't my words. It was theirs. The season was a bust. I mean, you had one of the most talented classes ever. I mean, Deja Molipola, probably arguably the most talented catcher to ever come through this school, Olympian. Jesse Harper, the biggest home run hitter that you will ever have come through this school. We'll probably never see something like that again. And then you have Mariah Lopez, Alyssa Denham, amazingly talented pitchers. Alyssa Palomino Cardoza, great outfielder. William Martinez, solid third baseman. And then Raina Caranco, solid infielder. 
and they didn't get it done. You know, they just didn't. Yeah, they made it to the College World Series, but you didn't walk away with the title. So kind of sucks to end it on that note. But now all eyes are to next year. For sure. It's definitely a disappointing end to Kendra's career, but it doesn't take away from all the accomplishments that he's had throughout his coaching career here in Tucson. Um, okay, we'll take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor. This is my opinion. This is my opinion. My opinion. My opinion. This is my opinion. I'm Lauren Borelli, and I'm your host for the podcast. Here, we will have our writers from the Opinions Desk at the Daily Wildcat discussing weekly topics. And really, they're going to say whatever they want, because this is a podcast about our opinions, why we have them, and what we have to say about it. Don't like what we have to say? Submit your ideas through email to storyideas at dailywildcat.com. Did you hear an opinion you maybe never heard before? Like it or don't, we don't really care because this is my opinion. But really, we hope you do. So go listen, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you stream podcasts. And don't forget to comment, rate, and share. This is my opinion. This is my My opinion. My opinion. This is my opinion. That was the word from our sponsor. If you're interested in working for the Daily Wildcat and are a University of Arizona student, visit dailywildcat.com slash apply now. Like what you hear and want to get this type of content in your inbox? Sign up for our weekly themes newsletters at dailywildcat.com slash newsletter sign up. And now we will go to a more positive note with being the baseball team who swept the Tucson Regional, beating Grand Canyon and then UC Santa Barbara twice to sweep the Regional where they will now host Ole Miss this upcoming weekend and the Super Regional for a chance to go to the College World Series. Um, Sean, what were your takeaways from the baseball team this past weekend in their two-time regional championship? This team's definitely ready. They're ready to compete on the highest level. They can, I feel confident with them going up against anybody. I think they've I think they've worked on everything they needed to work on. I think relief pitching is finally locked in. I think closing now with Vanelli, I think he's doing really well. The offense, you know, like the way it works in postseason is that sometimes it's difficult. You're probably not going to score a lot of runs, but, you know, that's just the, the way it goes. And they outscored their opponents. I think it was what, 20, like 21 to eight in yeah, the playoffs. And yeah. one of them was a shutout against UC Santa Barbara. I mean, that's not easy to do. I mean, you 12 runs against GCU to open it up and then a couple close games with UC Santa Barbara. But when you really watch those games, they weren't close in terms of nerves. They were just close in runs. And what I mean by nerves is that Arizona looked and controlled the entire game. They never looked like they started to panic. They never looked as if that they were you know, starting to lose themselves or commit a bunch of errors or they were getting down. They looked confident the whole game that they were going to win, especially that one on June 6th, which was the which is when they sealed the deal and won the Tucson regional when they won five to two, because the offense wasn't, you know, firing, you know, heavily with runs. But again, you don't need 12, 15, 18 runs to win the game. You just need to have one more than the other team. And that's what they did. I feel that and then it's also really good to see Preston Price back out there, you know, to shake off some of the rust and get it going in the regionals before they take on in super regionals. And, you know, Dante Williams doing his thing, 44 straight games that he has reached base safely. Ryan Holgate hitting home runs, you know, Nick McClary doing, you know, Nick McClary things. I mean, that that last game too, especially the defense, how solid it was to open the game back to back 
game um, inning ending double plays and then a huge double play I believe it was in the fifth inning really crazy I mean shortstop to first base to third base and they got it and you know when you have a team that's performing that well I mean you know try and find me somebody that can stop them and you know with Jay Johnson you know at the helm as the coach I mean he just I mean, I, I, I hope he doesn't do as well as we think he could do because he may end up in a couple of years be going up to Phoenix and uh, coaching the lost franchise from that city that is the uh, Diamondbacks with how well he's doing with this team. But I'm excited. I, I really am excited for this team. You know, I'm, I, I keep bragging about it. I said it all the way back in April. Dark horse to win the whole thing. Now they're kind of looking like the favorites and they have the advantage because they host the Super Regionals against Old Miss as well. Yeah, it's definitely a very complete uh, weekend from the team in terms of pitching, defense, and then, you know, coming up with hits when it mattered most uh, in key parts of the game. We'll go, kind of go a little bit game by game, um, beginning with the first 12-6 win over Grand Canyon, which uh, was, you know, super close for most of the game until I blew it up in the bottom of the eighth with the five runs that, you know, we had a bunch of walks and stuff. Um, went down for nothing early. It wasn't the best outing from Sil Seth, but they had the diving catch by Dante Williams in the, to end the second inning, which could have made it five, nothing if he didn't come away with that catch. And then from there, they kind of controlled the rest of the game. Uh, great performances from two freshmen out of the bullpen, Raleigh Cooper and TJ Nichols, who came in after Sil Seth went three innings and Cooper and Nichols combined to go four and a third, gave one run, three hits. Uh, it's also worth noting that Throughout the whole weekend, I believe it wasn't until very late in that last game, uh, if I'm not mistaken, where they had their first walk. So they, they didn't have any walks in the first two games, and they didn't have their first walk until that last uh, game, clinching win over Santa Barbara that won in the regional. And then uh, the bottom of the lineup really came up big. It wasn't the best weekend from the top of the lineup overall. Um, but that really shows you the depth of this lineup in terms of, you know, guys like McClory and Bullard and Holgate and, you know, even Otremba came up big in some of the games. So really just shows you top to bottom, even if the top of the lineup isn't doing well, the bottom can, can pick them up. And if the bottom is doing well, the top can pick them up. Uh, so again, that really shows the depth of this lineup. And then yeah. we see, we saw the depth of the pitching um in this weekend as well a phenomenal performance like Gary Irving complete game shutout 10 strikeouts three hits uh in the shutout over Santa Barbara in the second game and that allowed them to have a fully uh healthy or fully rested I should say bullpen in the last game where they were where Jay Johnson was able to and Nate Eske was able to kind of play by matchups in that last game I believe they had, I think it was six pitchers in that game. A great outing by Chandler Murphy, five innings, one run. And then the bullpen took over from there. And uh, so, yeah, again, just complete overall uh, dominance. Maybe not maybe not on the score, but just if you, like you said, if you watch the games, they're in control. Uh, ever since they came back from the 4 nothing deficit uh, from Grand Canyon early in that first game, they were kind of in control of each and every game. There were definitely some pressure situations where they came up with some huge pitches and huge hits that, that kind of, you know, helped them keep up that momentum in the game. Yeah. And yeah. So. Well, that's what that's what you're saying. And that's the which also which Coach Johnson has been saying about this team is the depth. I mean, think about it. The one through four 
you can say didn't really have the best series, even though they got hits and they did things pretty well. But when when you eventually like think of it, like just think of when like when Jacob Berry, Brandon Bossier and Susak really get going, then this team will be back to their ways of literally scoring four, five, six runs per inning. I mean, the fact that they were just a little bit cool in these couple of games it didn't matter because as you had just pointed out the rest of this lineup, one through nine, as coach Johnson said, you don't want to face any of these hitters because when you go through, like I said, Dante Williams is basically automatic. The guy's just always on base, no matter what. And then from Barry all the way to Susack, I mean, when your catcher is able to be a power hitter and bat fourth, usually catchers bat seventh, eighth or ninth. They're not really known as power hitters. When you have a catcher that's already that high up in the order, you better watch out. And then, as I said, you know, Tony Bowler, just <laughs> where the heck did he come from? I mean, this is a guy, I think he hit what one home run the entire year, I believe it was. And then I think in these three games against GCU and Santa Barbara, I believe he had three or four home runs. I mean, the emergence of Tony Bullard out of nowhere. And I, believe, I believe he had, I believe he had three in that last series in 60 state to close the regular season too. So standing back to that series, he's yeah. Been a completely different hitter. Yeah, yeah, like Bullard just blew up out of nowhere, and all of a sudden it's as if it's, you know, the, when the power hitters go down, then Bullard rises up. One of the players I do want to see sort of have be a bit better on offensively is Kobe Cato. I feel that he's kind of been slipping a little bit, uh, more strikeouts than not. But, you know, like I said, everybody even down, even like, as you mentioned, like Nick McClary all the way at the number nine spot. I mean, that dude just gets RBIs now all the time especially in that game against UC Santa Barbara, where they won at five to two, that RBI in the bottom of the eighth inning was huge because you could feel they were creeping up a bit, especially after um, Holgate's home run. They were still, they were still close, but to have that five, two league going in, just huge sigh of relief. And I mean, when you look at this and the fact that they play this well at home and they now get the benefit of hosting the super regional, I, I don't, I, I really just, I'm, I'm excited to see that first game because right now this team is so locked in and they are so ready to go. I'm, I, I honestly think that they will make it to Omaha. They'll definitely be the favorites. We'll go a little bit more into Ole Miss who they'll be hosting who had a little bit of trouble in their uh, regional that they hosted. they, beat Southeast Missouri State and Florida State to make it to the championship of their region. And then they failed to Southern Miss. And then in that last game, the deciding game, uh, they won 12-9. So there's a, there a lot of uh, runs in that game. I believe they threw out six pitchers. So they, Southern Miss definitely made them work um, in that game. Just looking at their just players overall, they have definitely have some power. Uh, they're leading home run hitter at 16 and Tim Elko. And then they have another guy at 14, Kevin Graham. Um, and then pitching wise, they have these two, uh, these two that look like they're workhorses in um, Doug Nikasey, who had the two three nine ERA in eighty six innings, and then Gunnar Hogland had a two eight seven ERA uh, in sixty two innings. So I assume that we'll see both of them um, this weekend, and then I assume we'll you know of course we'll see Silseth on Friday, Urban on Saturday, and I assume you know if there is a game three, it'll be Murphy um, on Sunday. So what are you looking to see from the team this weekend uh, coming up against Ole Miss? You just mentioned it right now, which will be our, the odds are still Seth will get the nod in the opening game. 
and I think his performance to that's what the it's riding on right now, whether this will be a two or a three game series, because I think if Silseth regains his form, because let's face it, I mean, he has not looked like himself for a while now. I mean, he is the most dominant pitcher they have, but I don't know. He just hasn't found it yet in the playoffs. So I think this is the perfect opportunity to find it against Old Miss, a team that sort of got beat up by another team. And, you know, they're sort of, you know, struggling to uh, stay above water. Whereas Arizona is just not only floating. I mean, they're camping out on the yacht. So if if Silseth can find his pitch again and he can dominate Old Miss in game one, I have no doubt that Garrett Irving will close it out. And this could be a two game series at high Corbett. But what I also will look for is that um, two through four in the lineup, they got to get it going. Barry, Bossier, Susak. I mean, you can relax a bit against in the regional rounds, but once you get to super regionals, everything changes. So looking for big things from then because Dante Williams is going to get on base. So, you know, get the man across home, he'll be there. So I'm looking for those guys to reactivate, pick it up. And then, I mean, relievers just keep doing what you're doing. Five through eights looking sharp. I mean, you know, when you look at that last series, you know, Gil Luna, Abshire, everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. I am just a tad worried about Vanelli. I mean, he, you know, the first batter in the last game against UCB struck him out convincingly, but then he did allow two runners on and it did get a little scary there. But, you know, he got the two straight ground outs after that. But other than that, I, I, I feel great about this team. I, unless they prove me wrong or, you know, they forget where to go for the regionals and they don't know where to show up. I, I think this could be a good series that can end early and, you know, rest is always needed. And especially how they use their bullpen at times where instead of one pitcher, they can use five or six. They're definitely going to need it. So that's why Sil Seth needs to have that big game opening it up because we're going to need the bullpen for the next game, if not game three as well. Yeah. As you mentioned, it's definitely going to be key for Sil Seth to bounce back. And I'd say get at least, at least five or six innings, um, I'd say, out of him and that housing. And then hopefully Irving can keep a pitch momentum. He mentioned how comfortable he is pitching a high Corbett. So that'll definitely be another plus as he continues to pitch uh, in high Corbett um, this weekend against Ole Miss. And then, you know, I think – I know you say, it, you say it a lot as well, but I think getting out to an early lead will be important too, not letting Ole Miss get, you know, comfortable, you know, playing in this ballpark and kind of – taking advantage of their comfortability in the stadium and just taking that as we saw them do this past weekend in the regionals and kind of taking, using that to their advantage and um, yeah, just kind of using the home field, using it. I'm sure it'll be, you know, once again, big crowds. Uh, They have record breaking crowds for college baseball game this past weekend. I'm sure we'll get that again, uh, or at least, at least close to it at least. Um, this upcoming weekend because, um, you know, in that first game they had the record, but there's also, I'm sure there's also a bunch of GCU fans that drove up to see that game as well. So that kind of probably kind of play a little bit in the, but um, either way. Well, thank uh, you so, GCU for helping us set a record and <laughs> watching your team lose. But yeah, continue Ari. Uh, so once again, they have the two of three against Ole Miss this weekend, Friday, June 11th at six o'clock Mountain Standard time on ESPNU. Uh, Saturday, June 12th at 7 o'clock Mountain Standard Time on ESPN2. And then, if necessary, at 6 o'clock on Sunday, June 13th. Um, that will be the starting game if they both win one of the first two games. And so we'll look forward to that. Do you have anything else to say, Sean, about this weekend? 
nah, just excited. And uh, for everybody in Tucson, show out because this team is pumped with the stands filled, and I really believe it'll help. And this is your last chance to see this team for the year because after this, it's either uh, they go home or they go to Omaha. So make sure you go out and pack those stands because this is a great team to see. If I was there, I would be there. But alas, I am your I am your at-large reporter from California. <laughs> hey, yeah, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you all next week.